Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you. Welcome home. Hi, genre junkies. It's Sandra. And this is Scott. Well, welcome to a fantasy episode. Fantasy. I um, <laughs> I don't know how to. Fantasy. <laughs> imagination. We, imagination. We both uh, agreed to do fantasy this week, but I, I just have to say, on my part, yeah. I was very ready to have some fantasy in my life. Yes. And this was a very good week for me to uh, be enjoying these books. Oh, good, good, good. So tonight we're going to continue on. We've already reviewed two books from this series, the Every Heart a Doorway series by Seanan McGuire. And we're going to do two more books as we try to work through the series. This is a series of novellas. Um, We've reviewed the first two on this podcast before. Uh, The first one is called Every Heart a Doorway. And I believe the second one was Down Among the Sticks and Bones. Yes. So tonight we're talking about Beneath a Sugar Sky and In an Absent Dream. So before we get into that and how the episode's going to be structured, Scott. Sandra. Anything you can share with the friends that you've been enjoying? Um, I mean, actually, we've been enjoying a, a, a lot of things. Uh, watched the first episode of that Korean show. I don't know the name of oh, it. Oh, yes. We watched it with Emma from over at Spooky Slumber Party, one of my co-hosts. Um, we watched, it's called The Squid Game, and we watched episode one, and it's kind of a, it's present day set, I believe, um, but it is kind of about people who owe really big debts. Um, they get kind of coerced, but willingly participate in games to the death and if you already just like that sort of vibe you know you get a little little battle royale you get a little hunger games anything like that then um i so far we loved the first episode all three of us did it was really well done it was beautifully like the the visuals are astounding is so cool and it's brutal. It's very brutal and violent. Um, which and I <laughs> I hope I hope to have even more brutality and violence in the coming episodes. But there's also, of course, um poignancy and uh the lead actor. Oh my god, uh he's so good. He's so so good. Um so over at Spooky Summer Party, we reviewed Malignant, the new James Wan movie, which is divided the world it is so polarizing you either love it or you hate it and i don't want to spoil it but for our review two out of three slumberettes loved it one slumberette loathed it oh my goodness yes so you'll have to listen to hear who but what did, what did you think of malignant i thought it was really really good i think it's a perfect example of when you take an artist, a director, a writer, mm-hmm. and you just take off the shackles and let them create what they want to create. Yes. And, you know, love it or hate it, which myself personally, I loved it. Right. Um, I think that there's something special about, you know, seeing someone's true vision come to life on, on a story like that. Right. That I, I thought was really fun. Um, and he wrote it with his, well, he like co-wrote it, created the story, whatever. Uh, with his wife too, which is really cool. I, I love that. 
like a nice little little collab there with the spouse um james wan and i like there's sometimes he's a miss for me but generally speaking i i like what he does so uh you'll see what i think of malignant if you listen to spooky slumber party over there i'm known as the lit witch because of my love of books Let's talk about But here, that's nothing special. No, we all, we all love, love books. books. <laughs> we all love books. <laughs> it's all perfectly legal. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what we're going to do is just kind of briefly recount what this series is about and kind of our, our feelings in a very... Uh, you know, broad sense about these two books and how it fits into the series and keep it all spoiler free. It's going to be pretty brief because then we're going to hop over to the spoiler section and talk about both of these books in depth. But just in case you're still kind of on the fence about this series or want to hear a little bit more about it, um, stick around for a minute and we'll tell you about it. So I'm going to start the spoiler free section by giving you a little bit of a sales pitch. Okay. Do you love fantasy? Yes. More specifically, like we do, do you love portal fantasy? Love Think Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, just anything where someone uh, travels to a fantastical world and, and you know, oftentimes eventually comes back. Yeah. Well, this is kind of ask the question of what happens after you get back. Right. Um I love this series so much. I I yeah. really think that uh it, you know one of the things I really like about it is every book is written a little bit differently. Yes. The structure is different, the um the setting is is very different. Mm-hmm. Um it, it almost kind of comes together for me like a really good not longer than short story but yeah. kind of like a short story collection with with a solid premise comes from where um everything everything is different but you know scratches the itch of whatever you're looking for oh man i really want sean and mcguire to come on our show <laughs> um sean and <sighs> You're so talented. You are so, so talented. Um, these books are wonderful if you're in a slump. Oh, yeah. You could absolutely just dip into these. First of all, they're short, which can be good for a slump because they're novellas. Um, and they're, they have absolutely her style. But at the same time, they're very much their own thing, um, each and every one. And it's because every character and every world is a unique perspective. And something about Shannon's writing is really gets it, just really, really gets how to make these characters, but doesn't sacrifice story and fits so much into a novella. And and as I said, you technically could read these standalone. I believe they're considered standalone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But you're going to get so much more out of it if you read them in order. And especially um, there's uh, In an Absent Dream is about a character that we first meet in the first book. So it's like very like, oh my gosh, just, you know, gives you a little bit more impetus to like kind of get through it and be like 
cool, 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 because I remember that person. And there's some other characters that, you know, their stories have not wrapped up and completed yet for us so far in four books. And uh, I would be sad to think that I hadn't read them in order and, and that I would miss some time with these fine people. So these are, generally speaking, young people, uh, because how they all got to where they are is they went through some sort of portal fantasy into another world and came back. They were either kicked out, uh, got lost, uh, they're back temporarily. Somehow they are back in our boring, very sterile, cold to them <laughs> uh, regular world. And they are having a hard time adjusting. So they go to Eleanor West's school home, basically, for like extraordinary children or, or something like that. And... um you go there and it's regular school, but really what they're helping you with is to adjust to the possibility that you may not get back to your world because some people and some people don't want to go back to where they fell into as well, which is kind of another yeah. another story. And that's and that's that's part of what I mean, where every book is a little bit different. So first right. of all, um you know, every character has their own motivations and their own feelings about the world they came from. And every world that they've gone to is completely different. So there's so much diversity in in all of that. But also, you know, I that is the basic premise of the world and the setting of this book. But mm-hmm. each story um, handles that a little bit different. Um, there are some that take place basically not at all yeah. uh, in the school, whereas there's there there are books that take place almost exclusively um, in the school, right? And it's so and and it's just and it's not a it's it, it's it's just really nice to just be able to pick one up and just enjoy the 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 setting and the yeah the message. And um, as a reminder too, there's kind of there's um the characters are are kind of trying to kind of map they call it I think a compass of the types of worlds and where they are because some of these worlds actually kind of border one another if you will Um, but then there's also this huge part of you must remove all suspension of disbelief because you know there's stuff that kind of goes on with time uh, you know a little bit every world has their own rules and so it's kind of like well, for instance, just as a, this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, there's a candy world that we talked about <laughs> where everything is made of candy things and everybody does not get sick or suffer from malnutrition, just eating cake and soda and stuff. That's just how that world that's works. That's just the rules of that world. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, mapping everything out. Um, that's the, that's another part that, that scratches an itch for me. Oh, you would, is you that, would be Cade. Yeah. Well, no, I. I mean, being who, yes, I would be, but, but also like, you know, when it comes to like a fantasy story, Mm -hmm. um, or sci-fi or things like that, I like kind of, um, set rules when it comes to magic. Yes, I know you do. And this kind of scratches that itch with the idea of they're kind of being um, cardinal directions that these worlds fall into. Logic versus nonsense versus, yeah, okay. We're going to talk, oh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, And just as a final sales pitch for you, we talked about this character before. There is a 
character that I think is going to, I want to predict is going to be with us through the entirety of the series, uh, which is Cade, because Cade is kind of being set up to be the next caretaker, which is pretty early on established yes. uh, from the beginning, that Cade is uh, Eleanor's assistant. And I cannot even tell you how much the character of Cade touched my heart and continues to. Um, Seanan really, really explains to people what trans is and what it means to be a trans person. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think of it all the time and it makes me emotional. Cade is a perfect example of that because Cade was, this isn't really a spoiler because it happens in the first book. Cade was kicked out of his world because he is actually he, even though he was assigned female at birth. And it's the perfect, like, see, you can't change who people are. You can't change who they truly are. Cade is a boy, and that's yeah. exactly who he was meant to be. And there's something so beautiful and poetic about it that it's like takes religion. It takes all the other stupid crap people like to put on trans people out of it. And it's like, no, it's the rules because it's just who that person is. What I think was so cool is honestly, I had forgotten that part of Cade's character. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's one of these books were reading, reading through it. And, you know, I remembered a lot about Cade and I remember a lot yeah. of the stuff that he was interested in and it did come up in the book. I'm like, oh my God, that's right. Right. And that's how well he's written. I mean, right. Because it's, it's not the not most like, interesting thing about Cade is that he is trans. It's just part of it. Yeah. It's important because it's, it's intrinsically who he is mm -hmm. and it had a big impact on his story. And um, also I think there's a few times where education comes up really nicely to talk about being trans and um again obviously scott and i are both cisgendered but um it's kind of like a really nice like everything's always explained really nicely mm -hmm. and really succinctly we love that we love representation okay so as you can probably tell we are big fans of this series i think we both have in the past said it is mass appeal it is mass appeal without question um i think nothing changed for me with these two books uh, I, I nothing changed. Um, I would say it. Um, I think it even stronger appeals towards. I mean, I I don't think the young adult or you know middle grade or anything really means no anything. We all know that's more marketing than anything else. But I, I would I would particularly throw these two books towards a more mature audience for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of uh, of messaging that I find very healing as an adult. Yes. Um, as well as just subject matter and writing styles that is, um, uh, it, you know, it, it decides to go there sometimes, which I think yeah. is actually really cool for something that I could very easily see someone think, oh, well, this is for little kids. It's, it's not. not. Yeah. It's definitely like for... <sighs> everybody a huge range of ages um i think that you you brought up an interesting point which is um you know there's been a little bit of backlash in the bookish online community on social media apps about how adults quote unquote shouldn't be reading middle grade according to some people's opinions or shouldn't be reading young adult books um and i think like for some people it, it makes them uncomfortable to think of an adult reading you know something that's like meant for a young person if it feels inappropriate or something to them in their mind and um 
you know, over here at Genre Junkies, we say read everything and anything that interests you and it doesn't matter what it is or the medium you read it in. Um, and people have kind of pushed back against that, that, you know, now we have so much more representation and so much more diversity and a big, big place we see that in is is in the queer community. And a lot of people want to go back and read these books about, for, for example, about queer characters, queer young people, because they didn't get to have that. And um, obviously, I never went through a portal that I <laughs> know of. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. I'd happily go. But um, there's a lot of really poignant life lessons in these books and ways to understand the world that we are stuck in. And, uh, you know, I would, like I said, I don't particularly think of these as young adult books, though they, I, I believe, technically, you know, from a book buyer standpoint are. But it's like, it kind of made me think of that as like, you know, there's such a richness to both of us loving portal fantasies our whole lives and as kids. But nobody ever did this. Nobody ever told us, okay, but you're going to grow up and you're not going to find the portal. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, I kind of need Sean and McGuire and Eleanor West and Kate and everybody to help me now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All joking aside, but it's true. Yeah. Okay. So that's our pitch. We're huge fans of Sean and McGuire and Every Heart of Doorway. Join us at the top of the quote-unquote spoiler section to talk about both of these books in depth. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. Okay, welcome back to Eleanor West Happy Hour. <laughs> um, there's not a whole, whole lot of trigger warnings in these books. Um, I will say... That for Beneath the Sugar Sky, there is talk about fat phobia and body image and weight loss and um, all of these things as a negative. And it's actually, it's very much a health at every size and a body positivity sort of story. But um, I know more and more people have a hard time. They, they kind of want to know that yeah. that content is going to be in there because so many people carry trauma from weight-related things. So just FYI, that plays a big part in Beneath the Sugar Sky. Um, I'd like to start the um, spoiler section by talking about trauma mm. in particular. Um, so, something about these stories um, is that I think everyone you know, everyone has their own trauma and they're, you know, there's no comparing one person's to another. Tease, little tease. But we all have uh, trauma from childhood, teenagers, from, from being young, that um, I feel like each one of these books kind of takes a salve mm. to some of that trauma. Yes. And, tr and tries to address it. Yes. You know, it brings it out and tries to, you know, make things a little bit better. Um, absolutely. And I think that's part of, you know, kind of what I was talking about before the spoiler section of some of this representation and, you know, kind of addressing of trauma that um, I don't think was prevalent in most books of our youth <laughs> that were marketed towards us in the 90s and 2000s. No, not at all. So right off the bat, I missed Eleanor so goddamn much. I, this is like one of the first 
pages. And please, it's Eleanor, if you don't mind. I may be old and getting older, but I was never a miss. More of, <laughs> more of a hit in the places I usually wrote. <laughs> um, she couldn't keep up with the students anymore, and she supposed that was a good thing. The sooner she wore out, the sooner she could go home. I still think it's so... Like, Eleanor in particular is, like, so terribly sad yeah. that she's been waiting to go home for 80 years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's absolutely an incredible woman and character. Um, one of those that I have a hard time believing she's not real. Like, this home doesn't exist and she's not real because I'm like, of course she's real. She's Eleanor. I love her. Um, I definitely aspire to be Eleanor, um, you know, be like quirky and brilliant <laughs> in um, in elder age. And um, I, I love, doesn't she wear like every color or something too? Yes. She, yeah. She, she, she comes from a nonsense world, if, if I remember correctly. I believe it is, it is... Uh, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, because they have like high logic, low blue blue yeah. barometer. I can't, I can't remember all the rules. Um, so there's okay. How do I put this? I can see Scott and I in a lot of different worlds. Like if you remember, if down among the sticks and bones, we saw like okay, Scott could be a mad scientist assistant, and I was gonna live with like the frost demon people or whatever. Um, but I can really see you in a drowned world. Or a water world of some kind, because you love the water. I could see myself in a water world, but it would have to be probably high logic. Well, okay. But see, here's the thing. And then we get introduced to an incredibly high logic world in An Absent Dream. And I'm like, oh, that's where Scott goes. But let's not jump ahead. <laughs> let's not jump ahead too much. Let's not jump ahead too much. Um, we get to meet Nadia, who... <laughs> come back turtles come back and let me love you uh i related to that she's a drowned girl and she just like she always wants to be moist she's not comfortable she's not damp and she's trying to get back to her world which is it sounds like everything's kind of flipped because it's like underwater it's almost like things seem kind of backwards maybe i i kind of i mean i'm a little bit different i kind of pictured it almost like a cleaner bogs of despair or or swamp of despair whatever it's called yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah definitely uh, like it sounds where everything is just and, kind of yeah everything's just kind of underwater mm. it's not you know water world where the world is an ocean but everything is just kind of wet it sounds very stressful to me like i don't think i'd love being perpetually damp I probably would not get called to this world. I think I could handle it. I think I would be perfectly fine. <laughs> but see, but then there's like turtles and frogs and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, I could do it. She is so funny the way that she is with turtles. She's just yeah. the queen of the turtles. The of and the, the way she charges into the pond at the very beginning of yeah. the book. Like basically, turtles, you will love me. And they're like, we're earth turtles. This is weird. Um, <laughs> they're so cute. So then we have... Cora, who is kind of the star of this book. Yep. Um, so Cora is essentially a mermaid. Um, as she says, now her scales are just on the inside now. And um, she's an athlete. Um, swimming's really her sport. And uh, she lives in a bigger body. She is, I, I think, I don't remember exactly what word is used, but, um, you know, like fat or 
what exactly, but so she's not a small person. She's very much aware of this as all people in larger bodies are. You don't need to tell them that they're in a larger body. They know. <laughs> Let's, um, so as somebody who is also in a larger body, I very much related to Cora because I am also an athlete. Um, you know, she talks about she has her her genes, her way her way that she is 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 the body that she's in, and um, I inhabit a larger body because of having PCOS and because of my genetic makeup, and that's okay. Like your your body settles at a place and it changes over your lifetime, um, but it doesn't make you. A bad person. It doesn't make you a lazy person. It doesn't make you unhealthy. No, exactly. And in fact, she's very healthy, just like me. I, I trust me. I just did my lab work. I'm an incredibly <laughs> healthy person. Um, it it just is the size of body you inhabit. And when she has been in our world, of course, she was treated very cruelly because of her appearance, because that's kind of what we do here in our world, um, unfortunately. But over in her world, she slew the baddies. She swam for days. Like, her hair sounds so pretty now. It's permanently, like, sea green and, like, teal, yeah, like mermaid hair. kind of looks a little seaweedy. Um, and it was funny is I actually read somewhere that, you know, our kind of depictions of mermaids as being thin people would not be realistic because in order to swim to the depths, you would actually need to have more fat on your body. Well, you know, <laughs> you know the, the theory as far as what... what um where the the myth of mermaids came from mermaids are real but go on well well, manatees yes who are basically mermaids yes and manatees are beautiful um but you know big like big creatures yeah because they have to be because the water is cold and they have to swim all day also side note you know we are also an environmentalist podcast save the manatees we've lost a lot of manatees this year it's fucking horrifying um Look into that. That's your that's your homework. Um, so she's done all of this, and then she ended up back here. <laughs> and everybody at Eleanor West School is very cool about you know they're not a judgy group, um, but it's still hard because when she's here, she's thinking about you know that trauma, and she actually ends up using that trauma to kind of help defeat the Queen of Cakes, which yes. is really cool. But yeah, it's it's very sad to read her initial reaction to everybody. Um, she thinks is 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 go- is coming from a place of criticism. Yes, and it's it's just always nice. Again, these stories are meant to. I mean, there, there's there's sadness and there's hurt, but at the end of the day. You, you should be happy and you should like the people that you're rooting for in yeah. these stories. And I just reminded again and again that no, the people that like her friends are truly kind. Good people. people. Yeah, they are. Um, and they've all been through so much and it bonds them. And it's really special. Um, one thing I loved about this book is, I mean, I love that it's like this world made of like cake and candy and stuff. It's so... Willy Wonka and it's so silly and even though I don't have much of a sweet tooth I think I'd really love it there because it just sounds aesthetically pleasing and wild and I am a nonsense girl like for sure um 
and like uh, they're talking about Rinny, who's one of the characters who's so lovely to meet. She was doing an excellent job of holding her tongue for a nonsense girl in a world of rules. That was just the sight of a miracle. <laughs> and uh, I feel it. I, f- I kind of feel like, oh, so that's my problem. I'm actually a nonsense girl. Um, kind of makes sense. There's so many funny parts of this book too. This book is uh hilarious. I think the funniest of of what we have read. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about this nonsense world. I could not handle. Oh, this see, world. First oh, of all, I love like, it. when when they're talking about like crawling up onto the sandy beach and the sand is all brown sugar, <laughs> I just shuddered. It's just like oh oh god, and them swimming around in soda like. <laughs> As Cora says, like, how does this work? Ick. How are we not going to get urinary tract infections? Ick, ick, ick. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so good with it. And I love that everything is like, oh, it's just about days. Everything walk. is a day's travel away. Yeah. Um, and I love this kind of, oh, it gets really deep when we talk about the bakers. Oh, I love that. And how it doesn't, quote unquote, make sense how the bakers kind of get here. They're wayward children themselves and they come and they bake and they help make the world and they kind of make things happen and breathe life into it they're not a deity but there's a reverence for their profession and they go i really leave eventually they will they'll just leave i I really like that they um (laughs) that the bakers basically exist in a a junkyard if you will of mistakes yes and how poignant is that and the way that she describes is like you know you know as like, you know, people see this as mistakes and I just see it as, you know, parts of what I eventually create. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Like there's, our, a, there's a beauty behind that. And our current baker is a um, Persian American girl from Brooklyn. Yes. Which we love. And she's just kind of like, well, I, I might be religious someday. I'm not religious right now. I don't know. Just for right now, I just really like baking. <laughs> she's just here baking. And she doesn't, because she's a nonsense person, um, she doesn't overthink it what they're doing there you know what i mean you I just think, do yeah, i think that's the most important thing about being nonsense you just don't overthink it, it. is you just gotta go with it oh see and that's so this preaches this speaks my language in a way i cannot oh i cannot underemphasize how much i i feel this oh and there's a part where they're talking about walking on the graham cracker and shortbread oh. and, no but they said it's like walking on the rubber infused concrete at disneyland oh, i okay yeah you love that I, concrete. I do like that concrete but i'm sorry i i can't handle walking on food <laughs> <laughs> i can't handle that i can't oh you are so funny um so we get to learn a little bit more about Cade's backstory, just a bit, you know, that um, the Goblin King seems to be the only one who knew that he was a guy <laughs> and accepted that and made him like the prince, but he still ended up getting kicked out. But um, he knows how to use a sword. Like, he's like a, like, he's like a real, like... He's a verifiable High, high fantasy battle yes. <laughs> man. And he talks about they fought a lot of wars. And um, there's something really kind of insidious about they liked to kidnap the most girly girls because they liked the uh, contrast. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, like, makes you... Ugh. And Cade's... Um, you can understand why he would never want to go back. Yeah, and Cade's parents and, you know, for a time, Cade didn't know that there was an option so he thought he was a girl and and they dressed him really girly and stuff and that's how he ended up there and he saved their world and you know still gets kicked out so 
where's the justice in that? I guess you can't get hung up on that in, in some of these worlds, just like in our world. Sometimes you don't get justice. But he, he very much, he, in many ways, he got what he needed from that world. Yeah. Because that is where he was first truly seen as himself. Yeah. And that, 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 you know, gave him the strength and gave him the, uh, you know, the ability to be himself. Yeah. Um, it was really nice to have Suni back. Yeah. Um, I missed her so much and I love her daughter. Yes. I, you know, that was something that, that I remember felt, you know, really, um, I don't want to say crummy, but. <laughs> crummy uh, in the, in the candy and cake world. It felt crummy. Well, no, um, when she died. Oh, uh, yes. Um, when a lot of people died, you know, there was a lot of death. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you know, it's bad enough that they can't go back to these worlds they want to go to. They also have to die. Right. And it just seems so unfair. And um, and I loved Sumi and I related to her right away because she's a nonsense girl. And remember, she was just like very high energy and silly and really reminded me of myself in like so many ways. And so it was just really nice that um, she kind of is... Getting to come back because she wasn't really supposed to die um, because that kind of like was somebody just kind of messing around in her timeline why she died, if you all remember. And so then she's dead and then everything gets thrown off in her world. Like there is an underpinning of some logic to this world and to some other high nonsense worlds where like things can't get completely disrupted without changing everything. Um, so I, I'm so happy she's back. She was gone far too soon before her time. And she has all of this cool stuff to look forward to. And even though she spent a large part of this book as a rainbow skeleton, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also got to go back and see Nancy. Nancy's doing so well. I know. That, that, that really warmed my heart because Nancy was is such a great character she's who we first meet and she she is our introduction yeah yeah and to see that you know she really is back and she really is happy i love her world i'm obsessed with her underworld i think it's absolutely incredible and beautiful and it speaks to the gothicism in my heart and the ancient greek underpinnings in my heart um uh <sighs> I could not ever sit still like they do. Oh, no. I mean, we talked about that before. Like, the idea of it makes me, like, itch. Like, <laughs> that makes me itch. Like, the idea of having to sit still. I love the way when Nancy describes it, that being that still is actually more like doing a dance. Like, it's very complicated. Um, and they slow down their heart and everything else. It's very, very cool the way it's all described. Um, I loved meeting the Lord and Lady of the Underworld. That was really cool. And I appreciate it, it's almost an introduction as, you know, when we go into the fourth book of this idea inside of logic worlds. Yeah. Of, you know, nothing comes for free mm. and there, there, there is, there is a price. Yes. And this is a logic world. And um, Nadia very willingly pays that price. And it ends up because it ends up being the right thing. It ends thing up being to the do. right thing. Yeah. She, of all of them, could stand to be there because she also um, is. They were like, yeah, if your door opens, you can still go through. And it's like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Which I thought was really wonderful of them, too. Yeah. To, well, yeah, to be honest and to be fair like mm -hmm. that. And she ends up taking a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for her that she's going to go back home. And I really want to know more about 
about a drowned world like that. I, I feel like we're going to get more of her. I think so, too. I think there's like, I mean, so far we've gotten more of everybody and I want more of everybody, especially Christopher. Oh, my God. We love Chris. Christopher is hysterical. He's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. Um, He's from Mariposa. Skeletons. It's like this, you know, never ending um, Dia de los Muertos scenario um him and his flute we got to see the tie that his flute has to him um and how that magic is very strong and very um crucial to his well-being yeah he can't live without it really and isn't it true that we all can't live without our magic however that (laughs) yeah however that uh, plays a part so we should wrap up this book and and move on to the next one but yeah this was just um a really beautiful book, even more enforcing to me about being who you are and being comfortable in your skin and that there's these wonderful parts of you that make up who you are that people can't take away from you, um, no matter how hard they try. And, you know, just about being strong and being confident in who you are. I, I found it just absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful book. And I will say, we, we, we did say that you can pick up any book in the series and they're kind of standalones. This is the most sequely book that we've read so far. Yeah. Um, you will, I, I don't imagine, I don't imagine that you would get as much out of this book if you weren't familiar with all of these characters. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that this ties up their, you know, stories or anything like that, but it is, it is, um, there are direct results of the first two books that that pay off in this. And wonderful body positivity, health at every size representation that I personally cannot thank Sean, Sean and McGuire enough. Um, and so proud of her and anybody else that's out there doing that work to let people know about size inclusivity and to, you know, get rid of your misconceptions about people's bodies because they are probably wrong. <laughs> and I can't wait to read more about Cora. Cora! You old mermaid. All right. Away from my world of sugar and fun and frivolity and candy corn, where I'm at home, to Scott's world, the goblin market. Okay. okay. So I, I want to I say first and foremost, this is not my world. Okay. 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 You know what? I understand it. I understand it more than I do any kind of nonsense world. It's definitely, it, it, it may be a neighbor on the compass to where I might sit, but um, the, the transactionality of it, I don't know if that's really a word, but like, <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the idea of this world where everything is balanced and, and fairness is... Um, by the by, the laws of this world enforced. You're uh, like the more you're talking, I can see your eyes. You're talking yourself into how much <laughs> you want to be at the goblin market. Okay, I, I would. Um, this was this was one of the more uh, unique for me. I, I God, I can't even say unique because honestly, the way that um, you know, the candy world was presented was like really unique and crazy. I, there's there. <sighs> Okay, let me Dang it. let me just at least come in here right now and say this. This world makes me break out into a sweat. I am petrified of getting stuck in a goblin market. Petrified. Whereas you could navigate the goblin market and probably live a very happy and successful life. <laughs> because I think you would understand how to do it. 
I am going to fuck up and ask people questions I can't pay for constantly. Um, now, I think that you should at least take that compliment that you could thrive in a goblin market. You would probably have a little store and you would like make and repair things and live your life. And I would be a f-ing bird. <laughs> I, but here, here's the other side. I am a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Oh, and you like your indulgences. I like my indulgences. And this is not a world where indulgences are encouraged true um this is very i mean and i'm not necessarily saying this is a good thing but um you know there every you have to you really 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 have to be putting in mm-hmm. all the time there is never really the opportunity for you to say you know i'm gonna take the day off <laughs> Well, people seem to rest in the evening, but yeah. I th- you know what I mean? I'm kind of the guy like, okay, I would um I'd like to just be lazy yeah. for a day or a week or forever. But see, I <laughs> bet you could because you're very clever. You could probably finagle a way that you would have like a fish market or something. So you'd be like, "Oh, I have to go fishing at the river today and let my apprentice run the shop because I just I have to get more fish." Yeah, but then you start then you start falling into the trap of um is that is that um fair? Oh, uh, see if this you're is already more You know what? I'm it, out. Bye if, everybody. If you're getting more out no. of it than what you're putting in, then it's not it's not, not fair. fair value. It's not fair value. Oh, and you're going to start growing feathers. Christ. God, this world stresses me. I would be a bird in 5 minutes. Like I would <laughs> you you would be a bird in 5 minutes. And I would probably be a you very are happy moon. bird. I am moon. I am moon. I'm absolutely moon. Uh, probably mockery is dead. <laughs> um, uh, I love there's an, one of the opening pages to this book uh, early on. It says, to be a child is to be a visitor from another world, muddling your way through the strange rules of this one. Um, which isn't that the, tr- the truth <laughs> for all of us. We all start out as strangers and we and we have to learn it all. And it's, you never are done learning it all. And you're constantly, constantly learning and growing in our world um and it makes sense like they kind of talk about this why children are the ones to travel they're more malleable because they haven't learned all the rules you know they kind of are still able to they're able to accept yeah uh, new realities constantly but they also are the ones who need that growth yeah who are who are looking for that growth so i like to i like to yeah. grow and learn every day but let's be honest i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't grow like i did when i was 12 absolutely um lundy my god i feel so much compassion for lundy um it made me so upset because we're seeing lundy's story and we came in at the end of lundy's story you know lundy used to be the school therapist and then she died <laughs> um uh and she's basically aging backwards, Benjamin buttoning, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you will. And this is how Lundy got to be where she was. Um, I think we both related to Lundy immediately because she's bookish, always carrying books around with her. Um, That's probably where my similarities with Lundy ended. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Lundy also is a really good friend. Um, And Lundy does want to do what's right. She reminded me of you because like they're, Never met a loophole she didn't like. <laughs> you know, and kind of see, like, I'm doing everything right. See, I knew, Batting your big 
batting your big lashes. Okay, but- that's not fair. I am just about as bad, and by that I mean like strictly a rules follower, as you're ever going to meet. I am such a rules Sometimes follower. Sometimes I call Scott the goldfish from the cat in the hat. Your mother would not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I get into a lot of trouble with family and friends because I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to park there. Yeah. Or you're, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Right. You just kind of roll your eyes and nothing happens and everything's fine usually. Um, But sometimes, but, but again, you do, you do know. I am no narc. No, not a narc. And you do know when to work a loophole and you have to, you have a, firm understanding of the rules so you know how you can bend them if you're talking about my my penchant for rules lawyering a little bit mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that that's so much loopholing really i i would are ju- you loopholing right now <laughs> inception turtles turtles all the way down damn it turned it right around at me um <laughs> Books are a little bit of a part of this story as well. Books were precious things meant to be treated well, both because they deserved it and because if she didn't treat them well, then she isn't going to get more books. <laughs> it's basically the end of that sentence. But um, love that. Love any time that a character has reverence for books like how we do. So this Lundy story takes a few really sharp turns. I have to say, I have such a clear picture in my mind of Lundy's dad. I have such a clear picture in my mind of how he got to their world. It sounds like it's hereditary that somebody from their family, every generation basically goes. Um, But I see how it shaped him. I see how he was a logical person and he ended up there. And then in rejection of the goblin market, because he has very strong feelings about it, he became the stern, kind of frigid Mm -hmm. man that he is. Um, I think it's a really interesting depiction. Um, You know, he's not somebody I would like and I would like to hang out with and be around, but I understand why he chose that path. I'm not sure I do understand why he chose that path, to be honest. Well, we'll we'll talk about it in, in a second, too. Um, another theme of this book I really appreciated was, you know, you can't, you know, grind yourself into dust, they basically say, for a friend. It's yeah. kind of like putting your mask on before you, like, when the plane's going down, before you help somebody else, you know? there There's a lot of messages in this book. Some so, A lot of stuff to, t- to take home with you. Um, there's, uh, there are, there's so many messages with this. There's, um, there's a on the surface fairness to the market. There's nothing wasted and no one has excess because everybody takes what they need. All of that sounds very nice on paper. Um, <laughs> sounds very like, oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. That's, it's kind of like a, like a socialism. And I, I dig that. Um, but let's talk about why dad is the way he is. And I highlighted some passages here. Um, she says when she's fighting with her dad, this is when she kind of comes back and they they make the deal for her to stay for a year. She's like, you know, tell me, is this something about the curfew? Like what's going on? And he says, of course they never told you. He says bitterly, why should they? Um, 
they already had you. It means once you turn 18, you've chosen by not choosing. You've been living out a countdown since the day you found your door. Unless you take the citizenship oath before your birthday, you can't take it at all. And if you attempt to stay past the curfew, you'll be punished. Um, Lundy tries to defend... Uh, he says, the market doesn't have to do anything, corrected her father. The market is not the friend you think it is. If it were, why would it prey on children instead of letting us keep coming into adulthood? It wants the young. It wants the malleable. If it wants you, it's because it sees something in you that it can use. Your life is the biggest bargaining ship you have. Before you choose where to spend it, be sure you understand what you're getting in return. Ooh, da- see, I understand why he became a rigid man. Because he felt taken advantage of, you know, as a kid. And there is, like we said, there's this suspension of disbelief and this willingness to change that kids have. But there is something a little bit insidious about a world that makes you make a big choice when you're a kid. So his main issue is the fact that you had to make that choice. Well, I think that it, you know, everybody says, oh, the market's so fair. It's so fair. And it's like, is it fair? I mean, is it really on paper? It's fair. Fair value for things. I mean, it's fair internally, I suppose. Maybe not externally. But you have to make this choice before you really understand what life is. That Oh, I, okay, that's fair. That's true. You have to make the choice before you know what you are giving up. Right. Yes. And I mean, the thing is, is like, it's such a choice because, you know, Lundy thinks she's made up her mind, but then she gets back. And first of all, you all know, I have my sister, Amanda, who's on this show quite a bit. And we're super close. And I love sibling stuff in books and her sister being like, but what about me? Like, you know, you're going to leave me. I want a sister. And, you know, not getting to go to college, not getting to do the things she wants to do in this world. And it's like, you can't have it both. And it's kind of like the market almost is like keeps you distracted because you're always in debt. So it's like you can't really leave because you just have to keep playing into the world. And it's like, it's kind of insidious because it's like, well, wait a minute, if you're always so caught up in this really busy day-to-day minutia and depth and working and blah, 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 blah that you have to do in the goblin market, when do you ever have time to think about, oh, wait, I do want to do things in my world. There is a uh, there is a level of dedication that's required. Like you're to the market when you're yeah. when you're in the market, your entire life revolves around the market. As he says, your life is the bargaining chip. Here is a huge commodity of the market, and that's what keeps it going. Is these lives coming in? And there is, um, you know, you know, part of the rules does uh, open up a little bit for kindness. Yes. And gratitude. Yes, it's not completely an unfeeling world. But, you know, really, there's not a ton of of uh, freebies, if you will. Just being kind for kindness's sake. And, um, you know, even even the 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 freeness of, you know, talking about like, you know, when you when you have a child, like, right. you know, the, the community provides for you. You're not expected to give anything back because you've already given so much and all this kind of stuff. But even that, it's like, it's so transactional. Yeah. It, even even the things that seem like kindness, like I, I appreciate in a perfect world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you know, communism is great on paper, that whole chestnut right yeah, there. Yes, you know what yes, I mean? yes. Um, and, a, you know, 
it sounds great. Like everyone puts in their equal share and everyone takes out their equal share and it's real happy and everything. But that means you're not afforded a lot of choice yourself. You're not afforded a lot of choice and a lot of individuality because everything has to do with keeping the market going. Um, and like you said, there's not a lot of time for leisure and frivolity um, because, you know, it's like, it's not that the world is mean but it's a little self-involved i guess um every everybody's lives exists to help perpetuate the market <laughs> the market is the whole of the law at the same time um you know look at moon uh-huh. moon started off as uh well first just kind of a you know childish which right. is fine there's nothing you know she's childish then she is kind of um self-centered a little bit like very self-serving and selfish in a lot of respects and um you know finally quite flippant until she really kind of finds a purpose and a home Mm -hmm. and you know i think i don't i don't think i hate the market as much as her father does no i i i don't think it's for me but i think that there's there's really something beautiful about that if right. that is what you want. I, I think I appreciated her father's point of view and why, you know, in their family, no one's ever stayed at the market. You know what I mean? Like, they clearly keep coming back, or at least enough of them. Well, I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but they're still living on this side of the world. Um, and we aren't introduced to many people Uh at the market who are from outside. Right. And I I think that um, a big part of it is, like you said, is in a world that's so, you know, kind of about business and about doing what's right and doing what's fair and keeping it moving. There's not a lot of room for random acts of kindness and joy. And that's kind of unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Like it would, you know, like if you give somebody a big present, it would be like, oh, wait, what do I owe you for this? Or like, you're going to get a feather. And it's like, well, no, what if you just want to give something to somebody because you want to? And like, your joy is fair value. And then it's like, "Mm, but is it because this is a lot of pies? Like, (laughs) it scares me like a world like that. At the same time, that's what the archivist was expecting when she took on Moon's Debt. debts, yeah, um, was like, you know, if you take on her debts, you're going to basically own her, right? And friends don't like to be owned, and 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 so that's not that's you know Trent, you know that's that's not going to work out right. so well. And the two of them proved that it absolutely does. And so even even amongst the the rules and the expectations and the balance yeah. of this of this market um she's able to prove that you know th- there can be just kindness and there, yes. friendship and companionship i think she um is uh the uh, goes against the grain and goes against the norm by proving that with her action and with her love for moon um which is really beautiful and powerful thing because Lundy's freaking awesome because for most people that wouldn't work is you know in this in this world um i thought to be fair uh for a lot of people that wouldn't work in this world either absolutely but i mean especially among like kids kids understand kindness and friendship but um i think the archivist is a very interesting character um i i think it's interesting that turns out she's the heart of the market um 
see part of the problem is like moon found a way and a place because moon didn't really have any options that's moon's world now and you know she found her way to make it work and to you know end up kind of having a good life and having responsibilities but um (sighs) lundy tried to have it all and i think that it's very natural that she would try to have it all because she wanted to have her lives in both places and that's completely valid it's completely valid but you can't and so when she tried to you know bend the loophole squeeze reasonable doubt through the loophole (laughs) you end up benjamin button i i one of my one of my favorite things about this series is is how some magic can travel back you know like the bone flute and like her benjamin buttoning yep some can't some can um so yeah so that's how lundy got to be so that's how lundy got to be lundy i would like to go visit the goblin market but i um i shall not be taking the citizenship (laughs) i don't i don't even want to visit to be honest with you um i mean yeah sure i'd like to try those pies but uh like i said i i would we'll bring our own i understood a lot of this world there's things that i you know I definitely got it because I, you know, would live in a logical world, but not this one. This one's not the one for me. <laughs> it's not it. It's not it. This one's not it. But you know what is it? I don't think logic has to be transactional. I agree. Oh, I like that. I agree. But you know what is it? This series. <laughs> this series is it. This series is it. This series is everything. Um, I just enjoy my time in her worlds and in her books so, so much. And I hope that you all do too. Any uh, final words, Scott, before we say goodnight? Uh, read these books if you haven't. And we just spoiled them for you. So what are you what are you waiting for now? Go back and start over. Maybe there's you'll forget about it. There's more too. Yeah, there's, there's more after this. More. All right, everybody. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Please keep reading past your bedtime. 